You're listening to Crunch Time, the hottest young pod in the world of sports. Welcome back to another episode of Crunch Time. I'm Mikey. I'm David. And I'm Sam. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Last Dance. For those of you who don't know, The Last Dance is a 10-part documentary of the career of NBA legend Michael Jordan. The last episode aired last Sunday, so be aware that this episode contains spoilers and information that you might want to watch to figure out. So, David, take it away. So, what do you guys think of the documentary as a whole? Yeah, I thought it was a very good documentary, very sentimental. I think a lot of people in our generation don't really know that much about Michael Jordan. I think it was very informative. I think they skipped from different ages, like going from 92 to 98 and back to 92. It made it a little confusing. <laughs> but other than that, it was great. Um, I definitely agree with you with the fact that our generation, if you're, if you don't know this for the listeners, we're only 15, so we never got a chance to see Michael Jordan play, but I feel like this just opened the door for us to really see how great he was, never really witnessed it, and now I just have so much more respect for him. I always considered him the GOAT, but I never actually knew, like, I never got to watch him be the GOAT. You know, watching, you know, watching this, watching how he worked and his mentality was just so inspiring. Right. That this guy was so competitive and he worked for everything. And it just kind of shows you that hard work pays off. Yeah. So let's let's start talking about this documentary. Um, so MJ, he, he wasn't always the nicest teammate, as we saw. But I don't think that necessarily makes him a bad teammate. I feel like one of the biggest criticisms from people was saying, like, MJ is a terrible teammate. But the, the reality, in my opinion, is he didn't have the time to be a warm and friendly guy in the court. Because he, like, he had this obligation to be the best on the court at all times. And he needed his teammates to play at the top potential the best they could. So he didn't have really time to tell his teammates to, like, like give them positive feedback. Like, he just needed to get right to the point, And I think that's what made him so great. Yeah, he he said that he wanted his teammates to win just as much as he wanted to win, and he wanted to make them feel that. So I think that you you're right, Mikey. It really doesn't make him a bad teammate. It just shows that he wants them to succeed, but he's doing it in a different way than let's say Scottie Pippen did in the nineteen ninety three ninety four season, where he was kind of the nice guy and would pick them up. But MJ was kind of like criticizing them to make them stronger. And as they went on, people understood what he's trying to do, and they actually that helped them a lot and helped motivate them and help get them better. I agree that being nice doesn't make you a bad – like, not being nice doesn't make you a bad teammate. I just think some of his teammates definitely didn't respond to it as well, I think. Yeah. He could have definitely maybe – like, Scott Burrell, he definitely didn't love it when MJ got on got on him for, like, little mistakes. But guys like Pippen and Rodman definitely could handle it a lot better. So I think it just depended on the teammate and how they felt about it. But in general, all of his teammates definitely respected him. I feel like the appreciation and like the liking for Michael Jordan, they realized that they really liked him as a person or like after their career. I don't think that when they were in the locker room with them, they were thinking like, wow, this guy's a great guy. Like I want to hang out with him after the game. Like, But I just feel like after, now that they're reflecting on their careers and reflecting on the legacy of Michael Jordan, I feel like now they're able to respect and even appreciate everything he did. Because, yeah, he had he definitely had an unorthodox way of treating his teammates. But in the reality, they did win six championships altogether. That's actually a really good point, Mikey. Yeah. I think Steve Kerr and him, they definitely had a ton of respect for him. I think one of the points in the documentary that I was a little shocked about, Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr's fathers both got tragically killed. And I thought yeah. it was a little odd that they hadn't talked about it. Like, yeah. Friends, because I think sometimes getting to know a teammate on a personal level might help your relationship on the court as well. 
So I thought it was maybe a little weird that Michael didn't try to understand where some of his teammates were off the court, as if that makes sense. Because maybe if they built a better personal relationship off the court, maybe Steve, he was a very good pro. He averaged not that many points, but he definitely made some hustle plays. He contributed down the stretch. But maybe Steve Kerr would have emerged a little more if he gained Michael's trust off the court as well. Well, Sam, right. That, that, that's a thing also because they mentioned towards the end that Kerr and him never talked about their fathers because Kerr said it was too painful to talk about, which I understand. But the, but the fact that you said like he could have gotten to know them better on a personal level, that is true. I agree. But I think the thing about the fathers was too much for them to handle. Both of them were tragically murdered. It's just very sad, and I don't know if I'd want to bring that up with teammates, even if they were like more close buddies. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, another thing is MJ, he had an incredible work ethic. Like, we didn't, obviously, we didn't get to witness him. Like, someone, when I think of incredible work ethic, I think of Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, the mob of mentality. And now I just watched his documentary, and I also just realized that he had an insane work ethic, especially when they were, um, when they were talking about when he was filming Space Jam, because he was filming all day, still found time to work out, and, and, and then he played pickup every night with all these great NBA players. And that's what kept him so great. And I feel like the, how he was able to do that and balance all that time and still put in a ton of work, I think that's really admirable. I think MJ, the greatest thing about him, in my opinion, isn't his worth work ethic. I think it's just his pure athleticism. I don't know if many people know this, but MJ obviously played for the Bulls. He obviously had an opportunity where he played briefly with the White Sox. He actually had an opportunity to play for the Bears as well. I don't know if many people realize that. They offered him a contract at a point in his career, maybe to play wide receiver or cornerback, I believe. I think that would have been a good fit for him. But the fa- And he was a great golfer, as some of you may know. Yeah. He could have played four sports at a very high level. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, all around. Also, he wasn't the biggest guy. You know, he's a little bit skinny. He had to put on a lot of muscle, but he, he had, like, hops. Like, you know, a, a thing they didn't really talk about in the documentary, but he did win the slam dunk contest. He had major hops, and he was very athletic. And you, you see him in the game. He's dunking over huge guys, and he's not he doesn't have any fear for anyone. And that's what just made him so great. He thought, and he, no, he didn't think he knew that he was the best one on the corner. That's actually a good point, Mikey, about him putting on muscle. I don't know if this is a direction you want to head in, but yeah, why not? Th- well, let's talk about the Pistons for a moment. Yeah. That's the reason that he decided to start lifting weights. He had never seriously started lifting weights at a point in his career, and he did this so that he felt he could live up to the physicality of the Detroit Pistons. Watching this documentary, did you lose a lot of respect for the Pistons? I know I always knew Isaiah Thomas was a, a really great player, but I really didn't know how he was as a person as well. I mean, I to- totally lost a lot of respect for him. Seems like he wasn't the greatest of guys. Bill Lambeer definitely wasn't the nicest guy. And I guess we started to see like how Dennis Rodman emerged as a person. We kind of saw how his funky side emerged as a person and a player in the NBA and how he brought the swagger from the Pistons to the Bulls. Especially in the segment when they showed that um, the Pistons, they walked off the court with when they lost to the Bulls um, in 91. They walked off the court without even shaking any of their hands, which just shows so much disrespect. No sportsmanship at all in that situation. And, like, when you lose – and also, they beat the Bulls. Like, they beat the Bulls two years in a row. Every time MJ shook their hands, they didn't walk off the court. The Pistons, when they finally lost, they just 
disrespected the Bulls and all their achievements for the season. And I just didn't appreciate it at all. And then when they started interviewing, you know, Isaiah Thomas as he is today, I just looked at him in a different way. I always knew that the Pistons were considered the bad boys. But after watching that clip and after really diving deep into that segment of, like, how the Pistons were, I, I like like you said, Sam, I did lose a lot of respect for Isaiah Thomas and the whole organization during that time period. Yeah, Mikey, I agree. The only reason I truly lost, like, faith in them and lost my respect for them was when they walked on game four. Like, you don't do that no matter what situation you're in. You respect the other yeah. team. I don't really disrespect them because of how physical they are. That's how the 90s was. Yes, they're a little yeah, too physical, but I understand what they were trying to do, trying to knock the best player out of the game, which is messed up. But that's just the way the 90s was played. But walking off is just showing so much disrespect to the team. And you just really cannot – it's not tolerated. And they should have been punished for that. All right, I think that's a good point. I think – MJ obviously didn't want Isaiah Thomas on the dream team, and that was one of the most controversial points in Michael Jordan's career because we can all say if we like Isaiah Thomas or not, he was definitely better than some of the players on the dream team. Christian Leitner, Chris Mullen. Yeah. I mean, you could even make – I think he's better than Stockton, but that's my personal mm-hmm. opinion. I don't think so. I, don't, I think they're very similar players, and I think at the time that the dream team was formed, he was a little – better of a player the first the first dream team he was definitely a better yeah player i agree uh, i think the second one he was kind of in the later stretch of his career but i think he was definitely good enough but i think it was very controversial that michael jordan didn't want him on the team because they thought he would ruin the chemistry obviously larry bird magic they didn't love him and even mullen didn't like him and malone obviously didn't like him because the pistons kind of they they played bully ball with every team in the nba yeah no one really respected that and he was kind of the face of the entire franchise. So no one really wanted to play with him. I personally think it was the right decision that they did that. Maybe a little controversial. Maybe he would have added some depth to the point guard position on the dream team. But at the end of the day, if you're going to have a teammate who's going dis- to who's gonna disrespect other people on the team and people aren't going to trust him on a personal and a, as a person on the court, then I think it's a terrible decision to have them on the team. I agree with you, Sam. Like, Isaiah Thomas, if I were the guys on the Dream Team, I wouldn't want him on the team either. It wasn't classy. They tried to injure players on purpose, which is just, that's just not right. Like, when kids are learning sports and how to play, you're not taught to, like, take out the best player or injure people on purpose. But that's what the Pistons did. And to be honest, if Isaiah Thomas was on the Dream Team, I don't think they would have succeeded as much because, yeah, all these players on the Dream Team were so competitive, but they just started to form this chemistry and this brotherhood, even though they were always competing in the NBA. And I feel like with Isaiah Thomas in the mix, if he was there, it would have changed the dynamic completely. Well, guys, I think that Isaiah Thomas is still a nice guy. Like, it wasn't his idea. No, no, no. I still think he's a nice guy. Well, hold on. Wait, let's let's let David David explain yourself. Hold on, Sam. Well, dude, just the way he expresses himself, I think, I just think overall, he he just seems like a nice guy. And if you... Get to talk to him. You can see that. Yes, he's done super mistakes, haven't we all? He, he walked off the court, and he was part of the Bad Boy Pistons, but it wasn't like he could just leave. When they decided to walk off, he shouldn't have done it. But I still think he's a nice guy regardless of that. On the court, I feel like he's toxic. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say toxic. I, I, I would just say not as friendly. More competitive. I'm not going to say anything about him off the court because I because we don't know him off the court. Yeah, we didn't ever see him. Besides the interview... I, I don't know, like how he how he handled the press. I have, I have no idea, but I just feel like on the court he's not someone you want to play with. Scotty and Michael, like they would have gone gone off on him at practice. 
And even the guys on the Lakers, like Magic, who had to play Isaiah, like, I just feel like, like I said before, the dynamic of the group would have been completely altered by the arrival of Isaiah Thomas. And I feel like for the chemistry sake of the dream team, I feel like it was better that he wasn't there. But I'm not, I'm not going to say that he was a bad guy off the court. But on the court, I don't think he's the nicest guy. I think that I respect – David, you know I respect you. But I do not think Isaiah Thomas is necessarily a good guy. There have been a ton of controversy when he was running the Knicks. There have been some controversy with some relationships within the organization. He's had problems with women throughout his mm-hmm. career. He didn't respect them. I just think that's completely unacceptable. Maybe you didn't know that, but I just think he's definitely had some controversial things. And the fact that no NBA player respects him, even though he'd won so many championships, no one respects who he was. And a lot of them disregarded how he played on the court just because of the way he carried himself off the court just shows that he wasn't a good guy. But I actually think vice versa, though. I think the way he carried himself on the court is why people didn't want to hang out with him off the court. Like, I don't think his off-the-court mistakes are people are yeah. the reason why people hated him on the court. I actually think that because the way he behaved on the court, that made people disrespect him off the court. So I just feel like there was a lot I, of hate for him. And I don't want to say hate for no reason, but I don't know how he was off the court. But I just feel like the way he played and the dirty mentality that he had with the bad boys and the Pistons, I just feel like other players didn't respect that. And then they automatically assumed, which is fair, for them to assume, but assume that he's just not a good guy. Well, yeah, I actually, that's a really good point. I actually didn't think about it. I think it's actually probably a combination of both. Yeah. But he carried himself on and off the court probably affected how people viewed right. him. I, I, he wasn't actually the most physical player himself. Yeah. He usually got his teammates to do the dirty work for him. He's like him. the mastermind so of all, kind of. He's the face of it, but not necessarily. He wasn't the guy. It was Bill yeah. Lambeer. He wasn't I think Bill Lambeer, I don't think many people realize this. He was the most physical guy in the NBA for so long. And he's the one who pushed Michael to the ground. He's the one who went at it with Scotty. I think Scotty was tough as nails the way that he always came back from adversity. I think that's just something to admire. Yeah, and like you said, MJ getting pushed to the ground. I feel like something to admire about MJ is that, like, whatever happened – he was always competing, and that, that makes me want to bring up the point. Is MJ the most competitive athlete ever? What do you guys think about this? I think he is, because if you look at him on and off the court, obviously he's the most competitive guy on the court. There's really no question about that. He works hard. He dives for balls. He steals the ball. He dunks the ball. He's so athletic. Then you look off the court. With his security guys, he's playing. He's paying them money. He's trying to throw a coin, a quarter, against the wall. He's golfing. He's, he's, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that he's gambling. But, like, he's just such a competitive guy. All around, I think he's the most competitive athlete ever. Well, that's definitely a good point. You could definitely say that. He's definitely a top three. I think when I think of competitive athletes, I actually think of guys, maybe not the best athletes, like Ray Lewis on the field. He was an absolute beast. I think I wouldn't throw him in a top uh, competitor, but that's usually a top three competitor. But that's usually who I think of, those kind of guys. But I think Michael... I think Kobe. Yeah, Michael, gonna, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. I'm throwing Kobe. I in think now. Kobe. You could definitely throw yeah, Kobe. You could throw him in. I don't think he's the number one though. He's not the number one, but I, I think I, I Muhammad Ali. These are my. Yeah. These MJ, are my Kobe, and three. probably someone from the NFL. I'd say. No, Muhammad Ali. That's oh, my personal okay. opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the most competitive athlete ever. But something that the documentary brought up was this: um, his his mentality of gambling. So I don't want to call it a gambling problem because I want to hear what you guys think. So 
MJ himself claimed the media liked to say that he had a gambling problem and they even said all this ridiculous stuff saying it led to his father's death. Um, which I think from the media's that was very disrespectful of them to do. Like very unfair. Yeah, he just lost his dad and now they're bringing up his accusing issues. Exactly. But I wanna ask you guys, do you guys after watching the documentary and we're seeing MJ's um off the court behavior do you think he had a competition problem or was it a gambling problem? Because, yeah, he threw in a lot of money in all the different places. But as he said, he knew when to stop. So I just want to I want to hear your guys' opinions on this matter. I think it was a competition problem because he knew when to stop. And at the end of the day, yeah, he was throwing in thousands of dollars. But if you compare that to the percent of money that he had, it was literally like, I mean, yeah, it probably wasn't the wisest choice to throw thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars probably millions of dollars throughout his career on the table like it was nothing but for any other person if you take that percentage of the money that he was spending it's probably like one percent of the total money that he had so yeah like it probably wasn't the wisest decision but at the end of the day he didn't go bankrupt he didn't go close to going bankrupt and he did it to escape the pressures of being in the nba and i think he just wanted to win in everything he did. yeah i i agree with you sam i think it's also a competitive problem because, as you said, he knows when to stop. And if he's, if you're, if you have a gambling problem, you'll you'll gamble everything you have. You'll gamble your like your money, your house. Like it is crazy how much people gamble, and right. I don't think MJ would ever go to that extent. So I think it's a competition problem. Yeah, I, like, and I don't even know if it's like a problem. I think it's just just his nature and how competitive he was. Yeah, I feel like it's disrespectful to call it a gambling problem because there actually are people that suffer from gambling. They go to the yeah. casinos and they lose everything they have in one night and then they keep on doing it and then they just end up on the streets. But MJ, you know, he knew when he knew when to stop. And the same thing, what I what I wanted to say is like he, he used to gamble and a lot of things he did. But I think that just makes me admire MJ. Like he just knows he's the best and he strives to be the best. And he's and since he has that mentality that like, he wants to win, he wants to be the best, he's willing to throw in a little bit of money for it. And I don't, I'm not going to say it's a little bit of money because he did throw in thousands. But number one, Sam, like you said, he had so much money. It's not like he's, you know, it's not like he's betting millions of dollars here. He's only betting a few hundred sometimes. And second, it's just he has this expectation to win. So if he's if putting in a little bit of money is gonna is what's gonna make him just like go go at the game with 110 percent, then let it be a little bit of money. And I think it's just a competition problem. And I think it's just a little bit naive and rude for the media. Number one, to say it's a gambling like problem because people are actually suffering from gambling yeah. problems. And number two, from linking linking that with his father's death. I think that's completely it, it's just irrational. It doesn't make sense to me. That's a good point. I think definitely the the father's death was tragic. A lot of the stuff in the media does, I think like it just it, it sucked that they needed to do that for MJ with his father. But at the same time, you know, MJ, this is what I want to bring up our next point. One thing to tick off MJ and like he, he'll just go off. Like when we look, they showed a clip of the rookie, LeBradford Smith, when he said, nice game, Mike, at the end of the game. And then that just motivated MJ, fueled him. And he went into the next game and he dropped like, I don't know, like 30 in the first half. So I just think a little thing that ticks off MJ yeah, it can be viewed to the people from the outside like, wow, like, that's so sad, like that's messed up. But that just fueled him and that gave him like a drive to win. Yeah, I, I agree. He, he's definitely a winner in most aspects. I think we talked a lot about Michael. Now let's segment off on Scotty. Uh, how do you guys feel about Scotty now that you watched The Last Dance? 
Yeah, so Scotty, um, wow, I have a lot of respect for Scotty. He had a very tough upbringing. And just to be such a vital part of that Chicago Bulls, I just feel like MJ wouldn't have had all of his success. Scotty was just provided a fatherly role for some young teammates because you knew MJ wasn't going to be the nice one. And second, just Scotty was just as tough as MJ. Like the last clip, like um, game six, 1998 of the finals, the last game they ever played together, when he had a sore back and he still came out and was determined like, you know, to win. And he came out with a bad back, and he still played a great game. That just shows you something about Scottie Pippen, and I do have a lot of admiration for him. I wouldn't say he played a great game, but he played a great role. He was basically the decoy, because obviously you never know what Scottie Pippen's able to do. He's a great – he kind of invented the the point forward position, like a, a taller point guard. He kind of led the way. Some players like Ben Simmons, I think, okay. he kind of – revolutionized that and even LeBron kind of plays point forward now I think the way that Scotty obviously LeBron's a better player than Scotty ever was but I think he kind of if it wasn't for Scotty who knows where LeBron would be right you now. mean MJ well I think I think it's unfair when people try no. to say that MJ is nothing without Scotty which in an extent is kind of true like he wouldn't have won all six but just the people when the people bring up that fact that like LeBron's better because MJ couldn't done without Scotty, it's just unfair. Like he's a great player Scotty is. Like MJ is still the greatest of all time. And then you look at LeBron, like he had Kyrie. He wouldn't have won his third championship without like Ray Allen. Like it's just it's just unfair to make that assumption. But yeah, I'm not trying also- to take anything away from Scotty. Like Scotty's a great player, but MJ just he's still the greatest of all time even without Scotty. Yeah, because MJ was the guy that won all six finals MVPs. He still carried the team. Yeah, he got help from a lot of key players and a lot of great players, but he still he still was the best one on the court. I think a point that not many people took away from this, but definitely one is one of the most important things that I took away from the show. I didn't realize when I think of the dream team, I kind of think Magic, Le- I mean Magic, Jordan, Bird, Bird. Yeah, and you think of all these guys, all the superstars, Malone, Stockton. But if not many people realize this, Scotty was one of the main contributors on the Dream Team. I thought that was something, a huge takeaway, the fact that he put up great numbers while still helping the team win. And he is a great passer. That's what the team kind of needed. They had Stockton, but everyone else kind of just wanted to score. And I think Scotty was one of the more unselfish guys. Yeah, I, I really like that point. Scotty was very unselfish. He, re- he recognized his role that he's the, the Robin to Michael Jordan's Batman. And he embraced that role, and he made the best of it. And, yeah, maybe in his heart of hearts, he wished he could be the number one guy. But to be honest with you, I don't know if Scottie Pippen was good enough to be the number one guy. Like, MJ well, made him so good. I feel like MJ was the reason he made him so great. So, like, Scotty, I feel like he was a great player. But, like, without MJ, like, they, they helped each other. They had a mutual relationship, and they just made each other better. Well, Mikey, you talk about Scotty being the number one guy. Let's talk about the 1993-94 season when Scotty was the number one guy. And he, he was thought of as the nice guy because everyone liked, like Steve Kerr said, he liked it when Scotty was in charge because he took it easy on them. And I think he could be a leader. Could they have won a championship with Scotty? I don't know. I don't really think so. But he definitely could be the number one guy because we saw it in the documentary. I just feel like the re- MJ, the way he led, yeah, it wasn't the nicest way. But that was like a great way to lead. Yes, like, like MJ is a better leader than Scotty, but I, I think Scotty could have been. But I feel like in that situation with that team, there wasn't so much room to be nice. Like I see where I see where you're coming from. Though. 
I don't think he would have ever won a yeah. championship by himself. I think Scotty, Rodman, and Jordan, they all went hand-in-hand. Hand. None of them would have won really without each other on the Bulls. Uh, I have a ton of respect for Jordan, but I just doubt he would have won anything by himself. I think he could have won a f- – I, I don't think, think he would have won six. No, I think it, it maybe didn't have to be – uh, Scotty and Rodman, but I think there had to be someone else that they, maybe they brought in through a trade course, or something. Yeah. I think, I think another cr- great. I think Horace Grant, Ron Harper, and Tony Kukoc. I think they were really important too. Not obviously when you think of the '96 Bulls, nobody is thinking of those three guys. But without them, realistically, who's gonna win? How are they gonna win when Michael Jordan puts up a bad mm-hmm. game? If Scotty Pippen is battling an injury if Dennis Rodman is who knows where not to be found in Las Vegas like how are they gonna win I think that's definitely something to yeah I also want to bring something up about Scotty that I thought was pretty crazy um the first I think it was the first or second episode we learned that he was the paid the 123rd highest in the league just like take a minute to think about that for a minute there's 12 guys on a team 30 teams in the league and Scotty Pippen is on the Chicago and he's paid 123rd highest in the league. And as we look at that now, now the 123rd the highest player in the league is Andre Roberson. Like, are we going to, are we going to look back at Andre Roberson's career and think, wow, what a great player? Like, no. So I think Scotty just, he was so underpaid, like his whole career, so undervalued. I think the Bulls well, recognize his talent, but not, not with the numbers they didn't. I actually think, I mean, obviously Andre Roberson is no Scottie Pippen. He's not the, he's not really that great of a Scottie could have at least like, been in the top 50 with paying. Oh, obviously. But I think, to be honest, Andre it's, Roberson. That's not, this not is the so point long. of this. Bruh, now you're, no, 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 no. Dude, we're not talking about Andre Roberson <laughs> as a player. <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking about how Scottie Pippen, like when we look back at Scottie Pippen's career, we remember him. And with all due respect to Andre Roberson, we're not making a documentary about him. Like, we're – like, that's just – I'm just trying to say that Scotty Pippen is very undervalued. Yeah. I also think that's just – can we just take a moment to talk about Jerry Krause, the general manager? I well, think- Mikey, if, you, if, you, if you're going to talk about him being paid in Jerry Krause, you've got to think about it. Jerry Reinsdorf even told Scotty not even take the deal. He said no, but Scotty said I have to do this for my family, I believe. Scotty knew he could have gotten more, but for some reason he declined it. I don't know if he was scared remember, that he wasn't going to get a deal he wanted, but if you think about that, he was given a chance to get more. I think the reason that Scotty took the deal, actually, is because it put a, like, a lot less pressure on him. He didn't have to perform to a crazy mm-hmm. level to perform to the level that they expected him to. He had money for the next seven years. It was a seven-year deal, yeah. I believe, yeah. right? He was set for money for his family for seven years. Obviously, he wasn't getting paid top dollar compared to these other guys. But however much money he was getting, it was still enough to comfortably feed his family for the next seven years. So I think he was looking at that guaranteed money and saying, I'm set for the next seven years. My family doesn't need to worry. But then at the same time, like, yeah, he wasn't getting paid enough. And he probably didn't realize he would emerge into the player that he became. That's very true. Let's just, like I said before, let's talk about Jerry Krause. Do you guys understand all the hate that the players gave him? Or do you actually sympathize for Krause? Well, I see both sides. Like, people undermine him as a GM. Like, he's one of the greatest GMs of all time because look at the team he built. He has Scotty, Dennis, MJ, Paxton, Kurt. Yeah, he got Tony yeah, all these great guys, right. and he's underrated because people don't really see him as that guy who brought them all in, but that's a thing. But then you also look at the bad side. 
he wasn't the nicest guy. Like, he wasn't fair to all his players. He like when MJ was little, slightly falling out of his prom. He was looking towards Kukoc for the future, not even focusing on MJ being there, which is very disrespectful to MJ. And like underpaying Scotty, I just don't like the way he did some of these things. But I think he's still a good GM. Okay, I think the way that he only cared about winning, he did not care about. I agree with you. That's that's the problem. Yeah, he did not care about how the public perceived him. And yeah, you probably shouldn't be paying attention to what other people think when you're an NBA. But that's GM. how you like grow, and become a better person. Yeah, but I think some of the stuff he did was de- like firing Phil Jackson. Yeah, to, like, paved the way for Kukoc. Not, not a, not a fan of yeah. that. I think the the way that the players treated him, I just don't think that's fair either. I think the way that they like blatantly called him out and like called him like overweight, like. They're, he's paying them a ton of money. Like, at least show him a little yeah. bit of respect. And I just think firing Phil Jackson was not the decision that anyone wanted to see, including myself. Because yeah. Phil Jackson, yeah, he might not have continued to win as many games without Jordan. But really, who else is going to win that many? Who's going to win games without them better than him? He was the man for the job with Jordan or without and you could see he won championships with Kobe and Shaq. He didn't need Jordan to win. I mean, obviously, it didn't hurt, but I think he, they would have been fine with Phil Jackson as the coach. I right. agree. I think Phil Jackson, I think going back, do you guys think he's the greatest coach of all time? Or I know you guys like Pop, too, a lot. I, I would say it's Phil Jackson just because how much winning he's done. Pop, fantastic coach. I think he's second best behind him. Like, he's made, he's brought the Spurs to play off so many consecutive years but i i'd still give it to jackson just because like you you take any team and you're just that role model guy and that's how you win and i really like that about him honestly yeah i think i think phil's definitely a top three coach in my opinion i actually i think that's definitely yeah. phil pop and Pat. his triangle offense Pat. was brilliant like that yeah that well all right great point actually on the triangle offense the triangle offense was great then. It would never work. Uh, yeah, now. I agree. Unfortunately, it does not work now, correct? With, with all the shooting the Knicks, going The Knicks now, did try it. <laughs> players are too unselfish. The defense isn't the same. People are Smaller are ball now, little... too. It's less stuff in the paint. Yeah, yeah big man. I agree, no. And the pick and roll isn't as frequent as maybe he would like. So, yeah, as we see, um, MJ, you know, his teammates, he had an incredible team. GM was amazing, and Phil Jackson was an incredible coach. The last thing we want to talk about is his shoe brand. David, take it away with this point. Yeah, so when they came out with the Air Jordans, they believed that that brand over the first three years was going to make $3 million. Well, guess what? In the first year, it made $126 million alone. That just shows how impactful MJ is. In his rookie season, he was phenomenal. He took a Bulls from a terrible team to a solid team. You look at that. It's just an example. He's such a great athlete, and I think he's so influential on people. $126 million in one season, that is crazy, guys. Yeah. I mean, and you want to talk about influential? You got Michael Jordan. There's no social media. There's no hashtags back then. There's no this. There's no that. There's just basketball. And MJ, you want to talk about someone that's influential? This man was known all over the world, and he didn't even try. Like, like he, didn't, he, he didn't go out of his way to, like, make himself known in, like, Brazil. That's just how influential he was, and that was greatness. And like he helped spread it. He helped spread basketball across yeah, the world. Yeah, exactly. As we saw, um, 
David Stern was talking about how, like, you know, before MJ played, there were not not too it was, many places. That wasn't like forty countries. Yeah, now not, like not too many places were exposed. But now we have like over two hundred countries and territories all across the world that are exposed to the NBA. And I just feel like if I'm gonna give that to one guy, it's it's gonna be because of Michael Jordan. And that's I think the guys who spread basketball, MJ is probably one. I want to say Allen Iverson is two. I think you could love him, hate him, but he was one of the most impactful players yes, no. that the NBA has ever had. I think his style definitely changed the way. If you look at the way he dressed with the headband, the arm sleeve, and then after him, how every single player now, like, well, not every, but most players wear the headband. Allen Iverson kind of started these tours around the world during the summer. And kind of to bring his name and across the, quote the about world. Practice that was known like all over the world then. Yeah, and I think like in China they admired everywhere, him. Everywhere. Like, MJ. Yeah, I, 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 so I think it was global. MJ. No, MJ's a clear one. Then Allen Iverson, and then I think LeBron or Kobe. I think LeBron because if you went around the world and said, "Do you guys know who LeBron is?" and if they're in touch with basketball, they're good. They're going to say yes. Yeah, everyone knows who LeBron is. I mean, I mean, I just feel like. But if I'm going to give it to number one, it was MJ. I feel like MJ just, the way he helped the game of basketball um, and at a global standpoint was pretty incredible to me. And I just feel like, you know, when we look back at MJ's career, like he was just, after seeing this documentary, I just have so much more respect for him. Like I said in the beginning of this episode, like we didn't get to watch him play. We didn't get to experience his true greatness. But I feel like after watching this documentary, I have so much more respect for Michael Jordan and He's just an incredible player. One thing to end off on, I think the reason that MJ was such a global art, I think that you can credit that to the Olympics, the way that every Olympic game that he showed up to, he performed in front of a variety of fans, a diverse crowd. I think that's that's what really you can credit his global art Thanks for listening to this episode of Crunch Time. We'll be back with new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. Follow our Instagram at Crunch Time Pod. We're available on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, and many other streaming platforms. And we have a TikTok, so please go check that out. And we will see you next time.